Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you as well. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips, tricks, and, and best practices, everything you need to know in order to get that podcast off the ground and, and to a top level. So on top of that, we're going to help get your show out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site that would charge you for the initial setup out there. Just the ones you can use on your own. Why not launch with Blue Wire Hustle where you actually get the tools to succeed? So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply to Blue Wire Hustle, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com dot com slash join blue wire hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the rebuild i'm henry ettinger joined by recurring guest and fellow browns podcaster writer extraordinaire Jake Burns from OBR and the OBR Film Breakdown podcast and so much more. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm great, Henry. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And bringing Jake in, you know, to talk about a number of different things off-season wise, key essential questions. I want to pick his brain a little bit about the safety position in particular because he, he was part of an OBR crew that did some work on that recently. And then we'll just see where it, we'll just see where it goes, Jake. It's the off season. We get to talk about whatever we want. That's the great thing about these shows. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of days to fill talking about everything about this team. So yeah, let's do it, man. For sure. And, and Jake, I got to start with the story that's really captured Brown's nation for the last several weeks. And there hasn't, been a ton of new developments in the last couple of days, but last week, Mary Kay Cabot reporting that that JJ Watts interested in the Browns. He's looking for a team that both has the money to pay him what he's worth and could be in Super Bowl contention. Given the cap situations uh, of the NFL right now, the Browns are one of the few teams that fits that as far as, you know, a, a good option for Watt. What are your thoughts uh, on bringing JJ Watt into the Browns organization? Well, I mean, it's the type of player that you would you would want if you're going to pursue, you know, where they think they're going to go, which is the Super Bowl. I mean, that's obviously the next step in their development is getting getting to the to the pinnacle of this league. And if if you if you want to get there, you need these types of guys. I mean, you know, not everybody is a young guy you bring along. You don't draft all of them. You you sometimes bring in the right veterans at the right time. And JJ obviously is is uh, is a good dude. Is 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 clearly somebody who's led a franchise of his own for a long time and been a dominant, dominant player. Now, obviously not quite as dominant as he was at one time. I think eventually the things, <laughs> the way he plays can slow you down over time. And, and, and he's dealt with some nasty injuries to his elbow and knee and 
uh, shoulder and kind of those things slowed some of the freak of nature things down that he used to do as a speed power guy. Um, but he still is very good. Now, is he maybe a bit more effective as a three, four guy where he can be a four eye defensive end on the inside eye of the tackle uh, while there's an outside rusher there? Yeah, maybe. But he played in a four, three finally last year for the first time in a while because the Texans switched over to that. They'd been a three, four team for a, a long time, and that made him a more traditional defensive end and uh, still dealt with a high, high volume of double teams because the teams knew they had to take care of him. And, uh, you know, he's, he was able to still generate a ton of pressures. Now the sack stuff is, is um, the, those numbers probably weren't as great as he would have hoped considering how many pressures he had. So being able to, to, to convert those pressures to sacks didn't always pan out just because Texans defense as a whole was a mess. They were pretty terrible. Football came out relatively quick most of the time, but, you know, by data based on how he plays, I think he's a really strong, powerful edge player who, uh, uh, is really able to set the edge in the run game, but also be an, uh, an effective, explosive uh, type of edge threat the same way they, they love what Miles does. I just think those two together would be really, really effective. And um, it just, it, it fits. It makes sense to me. It's just about seeing first if the money can be right, which the Browns seem to be willing to pay him as well as anybody, which is a development that we established at the OBR recently through some sources that we have. And, um, you know, I think that that's important that they're able to or willing to really pay him. Uh, and then we'll see if JJ has the interest to come to Cleveland. But as far as a fit goes, it doesn't, you know, outside of maybe Trey Hendrickson, who I, I'm pretty high on too out of New Orleans is a younger uh, sort of JJ Watt there. I think that's, it's just a great fit. I've, I've come around to it as well, Jake. I think you brought up the, the obvious concerns, the injuries, the age, and, and then thirdly, the cost, given that, that, he has so many suitors. He's such a high profile name. It would seem that, that he's obviously going to come with a, with a pretty expensive price tag, but the numbers, as you pointed out, still love him as a player. He was graded out very well on all your pro football focus metrics and the pressures. And you mentioned he led the league for uh, you know, DNs essentially in, in, getting double teamed, you know, with some certain filters on there as far as number of snaps and all that. But as a percentage, he was, you know, I want to say 23% plus getting double teamed. So a lot of metrics that would really support him next to Miles Garrett makes a lot of sense, right? And to me, the biggest thing is I think the Browns need to add somebody opposite Miles Garrett in a bad way. I think it's actually the number one priority as far as fixing the defense. I think if you look at how the Bucks gave the Chiefs trouble in the Super Bowl. If you look at the Bills, the Chiefs, and in general, the teams that the Browns need to beat, they are going to need multiple pass rushers. And without Olivier Vernon, I, I think they really struggled in that area at, at times when they needed it. So I love the philosophy of, hey, we're going to go get, we're, with our money, we're going to go get somebody that really plugs this hole. Because to me, that's the most important foundation if this defense is going to get better. Yeah, I, it's not it's not often that I, I disagree with many people, <laughs> and I and 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 this is a listen. I'm not I'm not trying to say anyone's wrong here, but if I look at the status quo of this roster, and I've had I just have had a lot of discussions about this. They absolutely need to upgrade 
uh, across for miles. I definitely think that is a thing that, that would benefit everybody because you're right, absolutely right, that when Olivier Vernon was playing well, they were both impacting. And it was kind of stunk because as Olivier Vernon came on, Miles was out with COVID. Miles comes back, obviously not quite as effective as he was dealing with the lung issues. And then by that time at the end of the year, they kind of started to maybe click a little bit. Uh, Olivier loses the, the season and really most of this season. I don't think he'll be back at all in 2021 for anybody uh, with that foot injury or the Achilles injury. But like if the status quo is the status quo, right, Henry? Like if, if the Browns bring back everybody currently on the roster, and I know this isn't going to happen, but if they brought back everybody, I would say personally that the coverage is a disaster, like an outright mm-hmm. disaster. Now up front, could you get by with uh, Miles, Olivier Vernon, or sorry, Miles, Sheldon Richardson, uh, Billings, and Andrew Billings, and, and, you know, Adrian Claiborne. Yeah, that's not great, but it's effective enough. I think you would have Porter Gustin as your backup. And so, like, in my opinion, I think they absolutely are going to do something about the edge opposite Miles, whether that's go after Hendrickson or whether that's draft somebody like Aziz Olajari or Gregory Rousseau or – or uh, Jalen Phil, there's a ton of different routes that could go in and, and, and they could sign Yannick Ngakwe. There's some names out there. So like, I think they do, but my, in my opinion, where they should be spending most of their assets is in coverage because, you know, it's safety. You have essentially Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delpit might come back and be the player they expected him to be, but it'll probably take two years here to get him really back mm-hmm. being as effective as they wanted to. Then that's it. You know, Shelter Gredwine's on the roster, but he's like, he's the ultimate pick on player when he plays, just not good. Doesn't have instincts, uh, gets himself out of position far too often. Um, he's just a problem. And then at corner, you have Denzel Ward, and then who else? I mean, Terrence Mitchell's a free agent. It, it, it's been well noted how average Terrence Mitchell is from a speed standpoint, from a twitch standpoint. Okay, was a good stopgap last year, but, you know, w- 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 I don't think they want to start him again. Uh, Greedy Williams has a shoulder that may not let him play football ever again. Uh, Kevin Johnson's a free agent in the slot and he was anemic to tackling. So they need to get a slot corner, I think, to replace. So like to me, their cornerback situation and safety situation is a disaster as a, as a status quo right now. Now I know there's constant discussion about what's more important pass rush coverage. I think you could, you could say pass rush is more important, but you have to at least be average at coverage then because you cannot do what the Browns felt inclined to do all year at the end of the year, especially against anybody threatening, is play off coverage because they don't trust putting their people in front of people at a close proximity to allow the pressure to get home. Like that was the biggest thing is what Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they obviously got after the quarterback, went crazy on that Chiefs terrible offensive line. But what they did, people don't talk about a ton, is they played cover two and they played press cover two and they made Chiefs wide receivers work to get down the field. And in that time, Pat didn't have an answer. He didn't have time to sit in and read it. He didn't have time for those downfield routes to get open. So that makes a big difference collectively. So like the Browns, I'm not saying the Browns have to become the world's greatest coverage team. They're probably going to have a bunch of young guys. We'll talk about some safety options, but they have to become respectable in the secondary for Joe Woods to be able to do some of the manipulation things and coverage, some of the things that he wants to do to give Miles and Olivier and some of these guys up front time, because there were so many times this year. And if you look back, look at like the, the Titans game, Cowboys game, Pittsburgh at the end of the year, week 17, even the wild card game where they were coming back and teams are just gouging them in coverage. And it doesn't even matter what the pass rush is doing because they're just giving up throws because they don't have guys that are adept enough in coverage to do it. How many times can you think Henry about the, the, the times that the Browns walked down and played man-to-man coverage like Baltimore or like, 
Kansas City did to them in the divisional playoffs. Teams that get down in their face and make quarterbacks make tough throws all the time. Browns couldn't do that. So they have to figure out some way. And I think there are plenty of routes to go here. Pretty good cornerback draft options, pretty good slot free agent options, pretty good safety free agent and draft options. There are plenty of ways they can get better at this, but I'm with you. I want J.J. Watt. I want them to be better up front, but they have to become a better coverage team to allow uh, the, the money you're spending on miles, the money you potentially spend on J.J. Watt or somebody else in free agency to rush to get home. Otherwise, it's just the balls out of the quarterback's hands so fast. I could play defensive end. It wouldn't even matter. So I don't know. It's a tangent I'm on, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. No, I love this. I love this, Jake. That, this is why we bring you on the podcast it is I, I welcome the pushback. And I think you bring up a great point. And I think something else that supports your point beyond the fact that, yes, clearly the Browns coverage was was abysmal uh, in key situations in particular against the best teams. You brought it up, the Chiefs, the, the Ravens on that Monday night football game. I mean, they just, they could not execute. You're, you're absolutely right there. And I think another thing that supports your point is I was getting into is if you look at the draft, there's a lot of concerns about the high-end corner talent in this draft. There are concerns about some of the safety talent in this draft. Whereas if you look at free agency and trade options, We'll get into safeties in the depth there in free agency. On top of that, there are rumors about Marshawn Lattimore, a player that many Browns fans who are also Buckeyes fans are probably very familiar with. Given the Saints cap situation, Lattimore seems like an obvious trade piece there. And there were some Richard Sherman rumors floated about previously as well. That doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be an option for the Browns, but it might be. And there's some other names certainly as well on the market. Jake, should that be plan A for the Browns over J.J. Watt? Obviously, in an ideal world, if you uh, uh, could address both in free agency, and I'm sure they will try to in some respects, that they will. But if you had to choose between a big name free agent in the secondary and J.J. Watt, it sounds like you're leaning more of those secondary players. I certainly think, let me put it this way. I think they can land two players in free agency. I don't know that they can land two massive long-term deals, but JJ Watts contract probably is one that gets off the books before miles, big money kicks in. So like, I, I think that they could go get JJ Watt and still be able to go get, like my opinion is, is there are some safety options that are very enticing. Like Marcus Williams is a four-year starter for the Saints, came into the league at 21, has had four hyper-productive seasons as a free safety for New Orleans, is on the market. It's just 25 years old. That's a guy I would go sign. I mentioned Hendrickson, a defensive end. Uh, I would go back to safety. There are two other guys that have interested me. John Johnson, the Rams, uh, safety that is a free agent who had uh, kind of grown into a lead communications role, did so much for that defense, a great young player back at that position. He's out there to be had if he, if their money is right. And they don't, I can't see them franchise tagging him, even though I think he might be worth it. Uh, he'll, he'll be out there to be, to be pursued. And then uh, Anthony Harris, a guy out of Minnesota safety, who was pro football focused darling for two of the last three years, did not have as good a year last year. 
uh, just because I, I think Minnesota's defense collectively was pretty bad, and that led to issues across the field uh, for everybody, kind of making up for other positions. But uh, he's just turning 30. He'll play this year at 30 years old. So if you're looking for a veteran safety, guy who's been around winning football, good defenses, he's out there. It's not a great cornerback free agency market. It's just not a great outside guys. Like the, 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 the people that are always playing on the perimeter, that's why I think draft, the draft is so enticing uh, for, 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 for that position. You have a really a ton of names in the draft that I think can be of interest. J.C. Horn uh, around that picking point. Asante mm-hmm. Samuel Jr. is uh, a player at that position point that could be of interest. Of um, Melifonwu, the, the, the younger brother uh, of Obi, who's, who's at Syracuse, who everybody is really starting to like has had great film. So I think they're going to be, in my opinion, they won't sign a corner uh, outside guy. They would draft one because there are some, there are plenty of interesting players in that position uh, in the, in the late first there where they're picking or the second day with their extra third round pick. Uh, but they, they, they should, in my opinion, entertain signing a slot corner. There are guys that are definitely preferable at that position, um, whether that's um, Mike Hilton at Pitt, out of Pittsburgh. Uh, there's there's a guy that I've liked and been talking about for a long time. Brian Poole from the New York Jets is available. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, who's been a little bit of a journeyman, has had a fantastic career playing the slot, uh, signed a one-year deal last year with Philadelphia. He's available. So they should go sign a slot. That's such a tough position to come in and play quickly. They should go sign a guy at that position, just in my opinion. Um, but yeah, they, they, and where I'm at is, I would be pretty stunned if they if they went out and got a young defensive end, like Carl Lawson, Hendrickson, who I love Hendrickson and Lawson, really. I think Lawson probably gets franchise tagged by the Bengals. But uh, if, if it's Hendrickson or, or Ngakwe, I, don't, I just don't see them going and spending those positions uh, in free agency. They could. Now, J.J. Watt's different because the type of deal would be different and the duration of which the, the deal would be different, too. So uh, I, I so I think that's a realistic path and one that I think the Browns are really pursuing because J.J.'s realistically like a two-year deal would make sense for him. So yeah. that's why they're probably most interested in that route. Uh, could they get a veteran? Maybe like now Jadevian Clowney's contract is not and he's he's fallen below market value. They could get away with somebody cheap like that. That's a potential option that they could pursue. We'll see. But I'm going and signing Marcus Williams if I can. I'm getting a safety. I'm getting a slot corner so that I go into the draft and maybe I take another safety, but I don't feel pressured to take one early. Uh, I need I need them to improve the safety situation, especially with how much they want to four two five this defense. And um, and then I think it, 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 I would not be surprised if their first four picks is a corner involved in there at some point too, who can play outside. And uh, should Greedy Williams have an issue getting back, getting fully healthy, they have some sort of young answer there to bring along. Absolutely. And a, a lot to unpack there of great stuff. I, I like the approach of signing a, a safety in free agency. And I know the, you mentioned it. This, this team loves to play of multiple safeties, multiple DBs on the field, and they don't have the personnel for that going forward. As far as that position is concerned, just for Browns fans who are listening to this right now, you know, as you said, it's basically Ronnie Harrison coming back. Sandejo's a free agent. Carl Joseph is a free agent that could be signed. Redwine is at best probably a special teams player for you. And then, of course, Grant Delpit coming off the torn Achilles is a question mark. So if they're going to look at multiple safety positions, even if you bring back Carl Joseph, you need a minimum of one other person probably to come in off the free agency block. Uh, and so Marcus Williams is a name I know that's been thrown out a lot 
I like it. I like the age of, of Marcus Williams. It, it makes sense to me. And I just ultimately too, and this is something I don't know that always gets talked about in, in free agency enough is there's always a draw for people to stay where they are, right? They, it's easier. You don't have to move your family. You're familiar with the organization. That's just not really an option for Marcus Williams, right? Like the Saints really, I, I would be absolutely shocked if they found a way to bring him back. So he's on the move. And that to me, he, he's got to be in that mindset. And I think the Browns could get him for a reasonable price. That, that would make a lot of sense. I struggle with what they should do at 26, honestly. Part of the the reason I would be open to a Marshawn Lattimore trade is I don't love the corner options early, early in this draft. I think there are some intriguing ones later. Uh, and, and I say later, really just beyond the first round as far as corner options that this team could go draft. But when it comes down, I would be surprised. People are talking about linebacker at 26. I'd kind of be surprised if the Browns go that route. And so ultimately I fall back on, my ideal offseason would be, yes, yeah, some sort of signing at the DN position, a, a multi-year big spend free agent at the safety position. And then if you can work out a Lattimore trade, be kind of great, but that, that could be a little bit pie in the sky. Draft-wise, I'm excited uh, about, about Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. And then you mentioned it. I... Melifonwu out of Syracuse, so many people are on him at this point. I almost wonder where he'll end up going because it just seems like he's skyrocketing up draft boards. We had Chris Trapasso from Blue Wires, the prospect on talking about corner prospects. I really like those guys. They're big, they're physical. I would love one of them opposite Denzel Ward, but I just, I, safety wise, I don't see where, where you get it in this draft. So I think it's got to be free agency, right? Yeah. I mean, I just would like it. Look, there are guys I really like. I like Trevon Morg a ton, the TCU kid. Uh, I think he, if they picked him at 26, I probably wouldn't have a big problem with it. Um, He's likely uh, the first safety off the board, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a matter of which teams are really craving safety help, but there's others I really like too. Like um, Javon Holland, the the Oregon kid. I really like Andre Cisco, Syracuse. Syracuse has so many good defensive backs this past year. Trill Williams, another corner. I'm sure maybe Chris talked about him to you guys, but he's another guy on your yep. radar. But like, um, just Cisco's a great secondary player. I mean, there's uh, Hafunga, the kid out of USC, who's a downhill punisher who had four interceptions this year, uh, but can make a ton of plays at the line of scrimmage or behind the, uh, you know, behind to the line of scrimmage. I don't know. I I, I think there's a there's a really the, the the position that I like, and luckily enough, is uh, I like the end of the first round ish defensive ends. I like the safeties and corners in day two, uh, and that's what they need. And um, you know that's that's what's that's the alignment that I think is really effective. And there are some decent linebackers there that should they dip their toe into the pool that nobody thinks they're going to dip their toe in. Like if Jeremiah Usu Carmo is there, the, the Notre Dame kid, if he's there at twenty six, they'll entertain him because he's more safety than linebacker and not in the sense of Isaiah Simmons where he never played safety, but we think he can be. No, he did safety things as like a third safety that, that, that also can step in the box and play linebacker and makes him a, a valuable player in that sort of Rover, whatever you want to call it. Some call it a Rover, some call it a, a Viper, some call it a monster. There's a bunch of different names for it, but um, yeah, those are, those are the, that type of player. If he's there at 26, it makes a ton of sense to me because that's a position they, they need vastly improved. So, and it allows you to have the flexibility against 
light personnel groups and base personnel groups with bigger tight ends on the field too. So he's flexible in that nature, but you know, like Nick Bolton out of Missouri is a good young player. Um, uh, you know, obviously Zayvon Collins, people talk a lot about their options as positions of need where they need to upgrade. They really only need to, to, to probably target on offense, a wide receiver at some point that I think that they can look at developing down the line. So uh, they, they focus on defense. They focus on uh, what they need there and uh, keep an eye on the future of their offense. I think they'll, they'll, they're, I think, if they handle free agency right, they're in a good position here with the draft, in my opinion, in terms of need and and what the uh, uh, best positions will be that are available. Yeah, I, I it sounds like we kind of agree as far as the draft's concerned. I would love another pass rusher, I think, of some kind of 26 or someone up front there. And so safety-wise, going back to that, outside of Marcus Williams, because this is a deep class as far as free agent safeties are concerned, is there anybody else that jumps out to you? Uh, Marcus May, Keanu Neal, any, anybody like that, that, that jumps out to you as well. If it's, Hey, if it's not Marcus Williams, cause it sounds like that's, you know, plan a for you option one, who, who would be another name that you would throw out there as you'd be happy to Brown signing? Yeah. I mentioned, um, Anthony Harris earlier. I think, I think they certainly need a guy who can be a center fielder type when they play cover three, when they play cover two, uh, even when they want to go to quarters every now and again, uh, they can they can trust a guy playing deep middle, whether it's man free and they're locking up underneath. Uh, Anthony Harris is a guy. I definitely think Marcus May is an interesting prospect. Still a young enough guy. Uh, he was the he was the same draft year as Jamal uh, Jamal Adams and Jamal would play up near the line of scrimmage and go crazy and do what they wanted to do creatively with him. It was Marcus May playing deep coverage uh, at the same time that helped out that offense or that defense to be successful. So. May has a ton of good experience. Him and Brian Poole from that secondary, if they don't bring those guys back, are very interesting to me. I would be in on Marcus May. So those are the – there's really like there's really like five guys at the safety position that catch my eye. And Keanu Neal's a thumper, man. If you want a guy who plays up near the line of scrimmage, uh, can play the slot, uh, can, can blitz, can set the edge and run game every now and again, he can do that stuff. But that is a little bit of a repetitive role for the price mm-hmm. that is Ronnie Harrison – uh, and, and, and it's much easier to draft a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round safety that can do those things. Um, you know, like earlier mentioning UFC's uh, Hafunga, the kid that's number 15 for them is a really good player. He does some of those similar things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I listen, Marcus Williams for me is 1A, but there are some really good 1B, 1C uh, options there. Should they should they not be able to get him? And like John Johnson, Anthony Harris and, and certainly uh, Marcus May is a guy that they could just ultimately be interested in Marcus May because they think he's going to go for much cheaper and they like what he can do. So, uh, the, the, like I said, though, I'm not going to sit here and pick apart and tell them who they should get. It's just what flavor they want, man. And that's the good thing about the safeties that are out there is whoever Joe Woods is most interested in, they should be able financial flexibility wise to go get one of those guys. Well, and you bring up a good point about what the flavor that you want, right? And something that stood out to me about the Bucks secondary and is something I would love for the Browns to kind of adopt as they address the secondary in the draft and free agency is the Bucks had a lot of versatility among their secondary players. And I feel like the Browns could use that. I feel like the Browns could use a more physical corner that, that they hopefully pick up in the draft. As, as I've said, I kind of like some of those more physical, bigger corner prospects as well and get safeties that can do different things successfully. Because when you face the best teams, having that optionality to me is so critical if you're going to match up, right? And I thought that was one of the, the things that stood out to me most about the Bucks defense is 
they had a lot of options as far as player types in their secondary. And it felt like that was part of the reason they could uh, address what Kansas city was doing so well. I, I couldn't agree more. I thought, I thought they drafted pretty well. Jamel Dean uh, am, among many others that they've drafted in that safety room. Uh, and obviously adding Antoine Winfield was kind of the capstone of that whole operation, but they have invested in corners um, even with MJ Stewart's failure in 2018 draft. Like they've invested uh, a, a significant amount in safety and corner and it, and it pays off down the line because you have a bunch of guys with diverse skill sets. And I think the Browns are trying to do that too. Uh, now seeing kind of where they're sitting uh, with the, with the current group they have between Denzel and they, they, the, the greedy thing is tough because they just hope that the greedy would be something he hasn't been so far. And, and it's not greedy's fault, man. I mean, like he has an, an odd nerve damage thing in his shoulder. He can't help that. Uh, I just hope that he can come back and be sort of that flexible piece. So they spent a first round or they spent a second round, or maybe they spend another second or third on this uh, couple guys this year. So they're trying to get there. It's, it's a process. You have to put it together over, over a, a four year span, but I do see some ingredients that if greedy comes back, right. Uh, they, they certainly, and the, the nice trade they made for Ronnie Harrison, they've got options and Grant Delpit too. Obviously if Grant Delpit comes back healthy, we could be looking, you know, at five younger players. If you include Denzel greedy, uh, Ronnie Harrison, who's still very young, uh, and then Delpit, and then maybe you draft two more guys at corner. I could even see them taking three between corner and safety in the draft. And then you're looking at seven or eight young guys, and you're just finding how do these guys line up for us? What works, what doesn't work? And that gives you a little bit of room for an MJ Stewart type of failure, uh, that kind of thing too. So invest in coverage, man. I'm all about that. It's, to me, the most challenging part of evaluating this Browns team and kind of where they're at as far as their defensive improvement is you've got a safety that you invested significant draft capital in coming off a torn Achilles, and you've got a corner in Greedy Williams that it's almost hard to even evaluate what he is. He's just been on the field so little, you just don't know what you're getting from those guys. And so if you plug, you know, some people are plugging those guys in as, as positives going into next season. And they may be that, but they may also not be on the field. They may also be limited when they are on the field. And it's so difficult to kind of size up this Browns team, with just having those giant question marks at, uh, at two key positions. And it, it does hopefully uh, if things uh, go right with the Browns, it does give them some optionality if they can hit successfully on some of these draft picks and free agent signings, then it can turn into a positive. But right now, as I look at this team, part of the reason the secondary is so difficult to evaluate is the team that was on the field last season, hopefully, even if your quote unquote status quo remained, wouldn't be coming back to the field this year. No, 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 they, they wouldn't. I mean, it would be a complete makeover. Now you got to balance you don't want to have a ton of rookies out there. Right. But like, yeah, you got to balance the the signings uh, with experience in the slot experience at safety, and then trying to piece together some younger guys too. But yeah, it could be, that's why I've been preaching is it should be a totally different look collectively in coverage. And um, that was their, their goal too, right? Henry in the off season, they said, we focused on offense. Now we're focusing on defense and hopefully that brings the whole picture together. For sure. And I, and another piece too, that I, we haven't even talked about on this podcast really. And I know you talked about, it, I think on your podcast is the, the salary cap information that came in as well. That should give them a little bit more uh, wiggle room as far as dollars to play with as well. For sure. For sure. It paints a better picture for them. They have rollover cap that they can use to either sign some short-term guys and they might be, 
they might be very active in that uh, um, uh, one-year market deal again. You know, middle market's yep. going to hurt because it's cheaper than what everybody thought it was going to be a few years ago. So the Browns are kind of trying to maybe again piece together some of those one-year deals to see if they can improve it down the line. And then when the cap jumps again, when we get fans back in the stadiums and things become a little bit normal, they could, um, you know, they could certainly – uh, maybe see if those guys auditioned well and, and work that out. So I, I would not be surprised if they're back in that one-year market again, potentially even keeping Larry, Larry Ogunjobi for pretty cheap because uh, there might not be a great market for him, but we'll see. But um, nonetheless, yeah, I, th- I think the cap provides them some clarity. They can convert some of these guys' roster bonuses, sorry, uh, cap numbers into roster bonuses and then, then can, can, can kind of save that money and then have even more money to pursue um, – some of these guys that we have talked about. So I think there'll be some cap creativity that we see, especially with Sheldon Odell Jarvis contracts, and that will lend them some ability to, uh, to go get the names that we've referenced. And then hopefully, you know, they build it the right way here. They get, they take advantage of these opportunities. They have an actual chance to, to push toward a Super Bowl this year. For sure. For sure. And, and Jake, I, I end almost every episode by saying this at this point, but it's just, for me, it is so exciting to dive into safety free agent targets rather than having to worry about quarterback and head coach and especially and what they're going to bring and and all of that and and going back into their previous records and their previous coaching stops and all of that that stability has allowed uh, the, us the freedom to talk about these things this year and I'm very thankful for it and I for one am very very excited for the Browns free agency this year because as you said the potential for this team to take a leap with some of the talent they could add is enticing to say the least. All right. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us, Jake, just real quick before we go, tell everybody where they can find all of your great work. Yeah, you can find it at the OBR. I mean, that's where we put up stuff every day, tons of focus on the draft. Uh, we do, we do daily mock drafts. We do a whole bunch of different stuff. We have free agency previews. We're doing week by week position uh, based on the Browns needs. We started with corner. We've gone to, um, defensive end, we've gone to line, or we have not gotten to linebacker yet because that's at the very bottom, in my opinion. Uh, but we have touched on the interior defensive line this week. We touched on safeties last week. We will eventually touch on um, a wide receiver as well. So we're doing that leading up to free agency starting in the middle of March, and then we'll, we'll keep doing that coverage through the end of the year. And then I'm at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. And there is an, uh, my own film breakdown uh, Twitter handle, which is at the OBR film BDN. And then my orange and uh, brown report film breakdown uh, podcast as well. So thanks for having me, Henry, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jake. Thanks for coming on, talking JJ Watt, safeties, all that. It was, uh, it was certainly a pleasure. And I, I appreciate the pushback, Jake. I, I love that as well. You can't hesitate to bring that on my podcast because we, uh, we definitely want <laughs> no, that. I here. think that's good, healthy stuff, man. I think, I think there's always – I learn something most of the time I listen to anybody. So I try to take what they're saying, give my perspective, and then that good back and forth, man, that's where we all kind of come to understand. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, sounds good. Jake, thank you so much for coming on again. Browns fans, we will be coming with more episodes on this feed all offseason as well, talking draft free agency, and so much more. So stay tuned. Until then, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.